Join Haunters Podcast on Friday, December 13th from 5 to 9.30 at the Virginia Beer Company, 401 Second Street, Williamsburg, Virginia, for the Nightmare Before Christmas Party. Dress as your favorite Tim Burton character and enjoy holiday fears and cheers. Proceeds benefit Haunted House Chesapeake. Scaring is caring. So come on out on Friday, December 13th for the Nightmare Before Christmas holiday fundraiser with the Virginia Beer Company and Haunters Podcast. Welcome to Haunters Podcast, a show dedicated to Universal Studios Halloween Horror Nights, haunted attractions, ghostly encounters, and all things macabre. Now here are your hosts, Mr. Wonderful and Zach Hilton. Welcome everybody to another episode of your favorite podcast. This is Haunters Podcast. And with me as always, the lovely and talented Brooke. Oh, I'm kidding. It's Zach. (laughs) Oh man, you already tossed her to the streets. Yeah, that's what I did. I was like, hey, this is bro time. We're going to bro down over here. We're going to bro down hard. It's up to all the ladies listening. Uh, and, uh, you know, <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, it, I, I didn't kick her off the show or anything like that. I kid. I joke. Yeah, you better because she listens to the show. She will hunt you down like the dog you are. Well, one of us has to listen to this show, so I'm happy it's done. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, uh, this is, uh, of course, you can follow us on Twitter at Haunters Pod, Haunters POD, Facebook, Haunters Podcast. Uh, Patreon is up as well, so you guys can check that out now. You can also mm. always check this show out everywhere you can stream your favorite podcast. And, of course, Please rate and review this program right here so that we go to number one on travel. That's right. We're number one at traveling. We don't want to just be in your hearts. We want to be on the Internet is the number one travel. Yeah, I, I want to be in your hearts as well, but I, I also have an ego and played sports. So, like, if you're not first, you're last. Uh, I really. Yeah, what are you talking about? There's other places. There's second and third and fourth. No, nope. no. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's a good movie. Good movie. But this isn't a Will Ferrell podcast. No, maybe that'll go to the Patreon because some of his later stuff, pretty horrific. Uh, This is a horror podcast, strictly Universal Studios Halloween Horror Nights, dabbling into some other stuff as well and the occult. But uh, nothing on that. (laughs) There we go. I was like, nothing? You're going to let me just say that and keep going okay i mean sometimes i feel like you have different initiatives for the show <laughs> i'm telling you man i just really hope that one day we get invited invited over to like a hellfires club uh have place and they're like this is where the hellfire club like sacrificed and did like worshiping and stuff and they're like you want to spend the night and i'm all like yeah haunters podcast so if this was your first episode of Hunter's <laughs> podcast, thanks for listening. We understand never coming back again. Yes, we, we, um, I would, uh, but no, 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 uh, we are going to dive into some stuff today. We actually have a cool interview coming up in this show. Very exciting stuff. Uh, that'll be coming our way. Uh, fingers crossed actually that this interview still goes down, but <laughs> I believe it's going to happen, Zach. Oh, yeah, I feel it. I feel it's going to come. I'm not going to talk about it until it actually happens. That's why I started (laughs) shutting up. I was like, I don't want to have to re-edit this. Uh, So, yeah, uh, maybe, possibly. You'll find out in just a couple minutes. But uh, first things first, there was a story I caught the other day. I, I, I had a feeling it had the chance to kind of go a little more mainstream. And then I noticed some of our local Virginia papers starting to pick it up, which... To me, indicates that, well, it started locally, it started as a small thing, now it's getting a little more attention outside of the state. There's a chance that somebody at a major network, you know, could eventually catch this, like a New York Post, a Huffington Post, mm-hmm. a, God forbid, one of the media networks that, that run 24-7 with people that have comments about everything gets this. But Universal Studios had a little bit of an issue that actually happened at November 1st, so the last weekend of Halloween Horror Nights. Universal stopped a Florida man at the front gate for nearly an hour because he was wearing a shirt. Now, he was a retired police officer, but he was wearing a shirt that said he was a retired cop. And mm-hmm. the girl at the front said, you can't come in here with that shirt on. It's inappropriate. He said, what do you mean it's inappropriate? It's a cop shirt. How is this inappropriate? 
And then eventually a supervisor came over and was like, yeah, this is inappropriate. You can't be wearing this shirt. You have to go back to your car, take this shirt off, put on another shirt. Led to a whole thing. That's how. That's why this is starting to, I think, gain a little bit uh, more attention than it probably would have because it's a retired cop. And either way, he fought with the supervisor there. Eventually, he got in wearing the mm. shirt because uh-huh. the supervisor wasn't able to show him exactly where in the policy it stated police shirts are inappropriate material to wear in the park. So right. it's it started in a Blue Lives Matter blog, and then it's now kind of starting to get a little more attention and I'm sitting here going, Oh no, you know, this is the type of bad publicity. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my first question about it, is it described what was on the shirt? Uh, let me find it really quickly. Cause it was, there was a whole thing about what exactly was yeah, displayed. It wasn't, it wasn't even, because uh, that's here we go. Okay. It's a long sleeve shirt. Uh, it's him. It's him in a gray long sleeve shirt that says retired police officer on the chest on the back. It reads my time in uniform is over, but my watch never ends. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Then I guess, I guess I can't fight it really too hard because you told me about this story at first. And the first thing that could even possibly come to me, it could be like one of those, like I get that he's a retired cop, but you know how sometimes there's like off brand yeah. like things where people will buy. And it made me, the first thing I thought of, I was like, okay, does the shirt have like a 44 Magnum on it or something? <laughs> and like, it's like for the past 20 years, I've been busting ass. Now I'm resting ass. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Like if it was something like that, I could totally understand it. But it, when you brought it up, it reminded me of that time we went to uh, Hollow Scream, and we've talked about it on the show where um, we're going through a fast pass line for Dark Castle, and a girl who's watching the counter or whatever to make sure everybody's going through is telling everybody to empty their drinks, and everybody in this line was like. What in the F are you talking about? Why do we have to empty our drinks? And it made me think later on. It was like, you know what? They probably told her to like cover it up. Like, you know, to make sure it was a closed container drink. Yeah. Cause we go through that all the time, but she took it as, okay, all the drinks got to be empty. So it makes me wonder if the person that stopped him was like, saw it in a certain way and they did have to wait for a supervisor and stuff like that. I wasn't there. It is what it is. But I just, I don't know. Something something still feels kind of off about it. Like, I don't feel like I know everything. I, it, it is one of those stories where the bigger it gets, the more is going to unfold from it. And that's what my right. fear is about it, is that the wrong people, because... I might work in the media, but I have a, I think it's been well figured out by a lot of people that listen to this show. I have a very uh, anti-establishment, the higher up it goes type of feel because I just don't trust people the higher up it goes. So my fear on this is, okay, now it's at a state level. The state level is going to do a good job. Like state papers will do a good job of being like, this is what happened. This is what Universal said. Because Universal did say... Ultimately, he was allowed to get in there, or a spokesperson at least. I'm not going to say Universal. Mr. Universal himself said this, but a spokesperson oh God, said. Mr. Universal <laughs> came on the scene? But, but, yeah, I know, right? It's incredible. It was an amazing day at the park. Uh, oh, my God. My favorite superhero is Mr. Universal. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. But but either way, they said he was allowed in the park either way, but they did say that a lot of, that a lot of this stemmed from they want they're afraid of the possibility of park goers confusing somebody who is a cop in real life, but wearing something police wise, distract them from if there was a situation for finding the actual park police and the actual park security, which granted, I, I think that's a little bit of a flimsy, you know, like mm. oh, we, we kind of got like caught. This is our, right. you know, this is why we're. But really, it comes down to, oh, we got to rethink policy really quickly here. So, like, my fear is just that bigger organizations grab it and then it turns into a pointing and finger screaming thing and Universal gets blamed and all of a sudden is cop haters. Like, that's right. my fear is that this blows up to that. Well, I imagine they're going to reach out to this, you know, 
this man and give him, you know, all the love and care tickets, yeah. season passes. Who knows? <laughs> come back, go, come back. They're going to go to town on that. They'll even probably go so much donating money to an organization. Um, I think it's just one of those things, honestly, where a lower employee and another lower employee gets in a situation they don't really know better of. You yes. know what I mean? Um, and I do, you know, I, Hey, if you defended this country or even, you know, th- as a policeman, you know, defending us and stuff like that, like the hey, neighborhood, if you're you watching whatever the, neighborhood yeah, you're going into you a neighborhood, the world. Yeah. Um, I think if it's one of those situations where it's like, okay, if this employee was told nobody can have shirts that make them look like policemen. Nobody can have shirts that say security, no things like that. And she, she or he took it to a different level. Then, yeah, that's kind of on them. I mean, I, you know, well, that's what I think it was as well. I think it was, I think it is the policy is more so like, I can't go in there wearing a security shirt that they sell at hot topic or, or one of those cop shirts that, you know, like, I can't go dressed up like how you and me went dressed up for Halloween once, like right. looking like a cop like that. Oh, and it we was just thrown out for a yeah. completely different mm-hmm. reason. <laughs> We're just too damn gorgeous for them to handle. Oh, uh, can't even. That's a faux pas. Yeah, I, they were. They would just be afraid of all those fashion tickets they would have gotten. Oh, um, all of them, especially especially at Vanity Ball. Oh God. We need to find those pictures and post them on Hunter's podcast, baby. I might still have one of those. I might still have one or two of those. Uh, but I might too. But I'm with you. I think it was just somebody took it to the extreme and it became bigger than it needed to. And then a spokesperson goes out there and is like, yeah, sorry. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but, you know, hopefully everything gets righted and all is gravy, man. Yeah, hopefully. Hopefully. All right. Well, with that being said, I guess we got to take a quick time out because we just got the five-minute warning, Zach. Ah! Ah? That's all you got? That's so exciting. There we so go. Exciting. There Every we time, go. These people don't understand. I've been working on this since September. Of last year, I think. (laughs) What'd you say? Of Of last last year, year. I think. (laughs) Yeah, you. I think you wanted this to be the first guest on Halter's podcast. Yeah, immediately. (laughs) Like that's the only reason why I've made this show is to talk Uh, to him. But yes, we have. um, Do we say Austin Romero? Yeah, we're going to say. We're going to have Austin Romero, aka Mike Rome from the WWE, on the show to talk. Halloween horror nights and other things. Yes, because he actually has an extensive history with that. And we'll get into that in just a couple of minutes uh, because I wasn't aware of a lot of this when you said, oh, we're going to get Mike Rome. I was like, WWE? And you were like, yeah. Da 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 da. I was like, right, okay, stop, stop. And then you were like, no, no, no. But X Y Z X Y Z X Y Z. I get it. And then you just kept going, and I was like, okay, we'll talk to him. Just I did up. my research. <laughs> I, I did some research as well. I learned one cool thing that I'm going to bring up. <laughs> I can't wait. Good job. Bring bring the A game, baby. Yeah, I'll bring I'll br- I I bring like a B game at best, but uh, you know, it's nothing wrong with that. Sometimes you need a B guy. Uh, Absolutely. So we'll get to that interview on the other side. Don't touch your podcast. It's Haunter's podcast. Ew. <laughs> what? <laughs> Don't hate all that out. We're keeping it. <laughs> Hey, this is Josh. And I'm Rob. And we are from the Diznoids Podcast. Join us each week as we try to keep our random ramblings in check. That's right. Dive into our cauldron with the sweetness of recipes from theme parks to movies to music to comics to any and everything we can talk about. Our jibber-jabber knows no boundaries, but our expertise in these fields will be sure to make your ear holes smile. That's right. Follow us each week with our episodic adventures with a side of sarcasm to lead us through the magical forest of pop culture. You can find us where all podcasts are found, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Podbean, and even on Facebook. Just search The Disnoids. That's right, my wonderful, wonderful friends. As always, stay metal. All right, guys, welcome back to Haunter's Podcast. Uh, we're just going to dive right into this because we have an extremely special guest. Zach mentioned it before. We've been working so hard. Well, he's been working hard, bothering him daily, and he is one of the most busiest men around. <laughs> we have Mike Rome, 
Austin Romero from the WWE joining the show. Welcome. What's going on, guys? Hey, he's been all over it. It's what it takes, though. Sometimes, you know. That, that's what I, I. That's what I told him. Is sometimes, you know, you have a busy lifestyle that it's. It's. You got to constantly be like, "Hey, you remember me? You remember I exist?" It's true. <laughs> it is very true. Because then I'm like, "Oh yeah, that thing. Okay, I got to work on that." <laughs> I'm just that guy outside the window looking at the pretty lady in the rain. It's all good. But uh, it pays off, man. <laughs> It does. It does. And uh, again, thank you for being here. Uh, yeah, so uh, I, I, I want to start it off because I noticed this. You were you grew up in San Diego for a little while. Um, I'm going to yeah. start with a softball for you. Are you a Padres fan or a Chargers fan at all? Like you are a local sports fan to there. I know the Chargers move, but like, did you grow up a San Diego sports fan and still are? So uh, kind of so when, I was, <laughs> you know, when I was growing up. You got to think like uh, Chargers were pretty awful mm. uh, when I was growing up. I'm a I'm a huge 49ers fan because when you grow up in California, it's like the Raiders were bad, the Chargers were uh, an awful team, like they just didn't do well. The Raiders did all right, but they were like the evil team. And then you had the team of the 80s, which was the Niners. So um, I was definitely a Niners guy, uh, and still am. Uh, but I did. I went to actually uh, two or three Padres games, uh, and I'm not a big baseball guy, but. I definitely, uh, I've seen, I saw Tony Gwynn, Ooh. and uh, I got to see some of that back when I was younger. Yeah, Tony Gwynn was, oh, he's he's a legend. A legend in his own yeah. right. Straight um, up. <laughs> so growing up in California, did you, like, how did you become a fan of theme parks? Like, did it start as a kid? Did you go to Disneyland and Universal back yeah. there? So my, my um, I think that's where it all starts, you know, pretty much for everybody. Like, I. I still remember uh, my mom taking me to Disneyland, like taking the drive and uh, which seemed like, you know, when you're a kid, it seems like it takes days to drive from anywhere in California because it's all basically desert. It feels like. And, uh, you know, driving up to Disneyland, I remember going for I don't remember which birthday it was, but I remember going uh, for a birthday. And then when my grandma would come down, you know, we would go out there and it was it was uh, it was great. Actually, when I was a kid, the first time I ever met somebody who was also named Austin was in Disney land um i was like uh, in the little town square section somebody was like austin and i just walked over to them and they're like you're not our kid and i was like yeah but you called my name uh you know you don't know any better when you're a kid but that was like the first time i ever met an austin but i had gone a couple times so when i moved to florida um to do music and some other stuff um everybody's like i was like i need to get a job i guess and i was like go to disney go to disney i was like oh oh yeah I guess you could do that. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And how did that work out? Like, you know, you get told to go to Disney and, you know, I'm, I imagine the audition process for Disney is wild. Yeah. Well, honestly, like when I, I didn't have enough information when I came down here and it, it is, I wanted to do entertainment, but I didn't know how to do it. So I walked into the, um, what is it called? It's basically like the, uh, generic hiring process where they like try to place you as like outdoor foods or servers and that kind of stuff. So I walked into this room and they're like, Oh yeah, you'll be great for this. And I was like, wait, how do I get into this? And like, Oh, that's not over here. We don't do that. And I was like, Oh, okay. So then they put me in outdoor foods at uh, Disney's Hollywood studios. And so I used to push, I used to sit behind one of those ice cream carts for a while (laughs) without ice cream. And I was like, ah, this is awful. I don't think I could do this anymore. I think I did it for like, uh, five months and I pieced out. Um, I just kind of stopped going. I was like, yeah, I'm kind of done with this, which actually uh, kind of bit me in the ass. Like years later when I, uh, I auditioned for American Idol over there and they're like, we love you. We want to hire you. And then I got a phone call. Like, I don't know, like a couple months later during the process. And they were like, Hey, so apparently you walked out on Disney and you have a no rehire status. And I was like, Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> so I had to like write a letter to the board. So there's a way you can, you know, contest this. And I just wrote a letter and I was just kind of like, look, I was young. I didn't, you know, I was, I just moved there. I didn't really understand the process. I apologize, you know, X, Y, and Z and just kind of like laid it all out. And then they approved my rehire. So I was able to start working at Disney again. That's really cool. Now, the American Idol thing, was that 
what exactly was that? American Idol at Disney or American Idol, like the TV show? You were going to be no, Ryan Seacrest. So there used to be a venue inside of Disney. It's actually where Frozen is now. And mm. what they would do is it was very poorly advertised, but it was such a cool uh, concept for a theme park. And what would happen is people would come in and say they're like, oh, I can sing. They would audition on the audition side. So they would sign up to audition. They would audition for a producer. And the producer would decide if they could make it to the show. And so say we had like uh, maybe five shows a day and then a finale show. So the winners of each of those five shows would go to the finale show. So there'd be five of them and they would battle it out for a dream ticket. And the dream ticket was uh, their front of the line access to an American Idol audition anywhere in the world. Oh, wow. wow. So say, you know, American Idol was auditioning in Atlanta and, you know, they wanted to go. They didn't have to wait in line. They didn't have to do any of that stuff. They go up, they schedule their audition. They go right to the producers. That's really That's cool. That's pretty rad. Um, yeah, we actually so, had a couple people from uh, our venue that made it onto the show. Oh, wow. Did any of them really? end up, like, actually getting deep into the show or, like, beyond the auditions on the auditions? Because I guess they did multiple yeah, think, auditions to get there I for you guys? I think we had one or two people in the top 15 at one point. Wow. Wow. Yeah, I just don't – it's been so long now, I can't remember the exact stats. But I remember – because anytime we had, like, Idol would be running – we would change our video packages and stuff. And, you know, we'd always be like, Hey, don't forget so-and-so's in the, you know, top 15, uh, keep an eye on it, make sure you vote, whatever. Right. We would help try to give them an extra right. plug. So you did eventually, Disney did give you that job then? Yes, I did end up okay. getting the job. I was a host over there and a warm-up host. So I ended up doing both, uh, basically oh. until it, it closed. And then I went over to Indiana Jones. I was going to say, I remember seeing some photos on your Instagram where you were, I'm guessing, the director or the warm-up yeah, to that show? Yeah, so, yeah, I've done director before, and uh, I, I, at one time I was contracted as assistant director, which is basically the, the, the guy in the Hawaiian shirt who works through the audience, extras that are on the stage, and gets them ready to go, and basically transitions the scenes. Right. Okay. I just I just saw that show for the first time this year. I took a trip to Disney World. It absolutely blew my mind. It was my first time being there, and I'm a 36 year old man, so <laughs> nothing sad about that. Um, oh, it's it's one <laughs> so, of my favorite venues, man. Oh yeah, it's it's an awesome sight to see. I love the way they can just change scenes so swiftly. It was amazing. Did you have any like favorite parts from the show? Yeah, the uh, so those those pieces in the very first scene are the world's largest moving set pieces. Like they're insane. Oh. But I remember um, two things. Like they gave me an option of which venue I want to go to, and obviously I chose indie. But I remember uh, when I was a kid watching Full House, and um, they had the uh, they had they went to that venue, and she kept. I was a like, Candace Cameron kept seeing. Uh, was it, I think it was. Her name was DJ on the show, I believe, but she kept seeing her yeah. boyfriend as Indiana Jones and kept flashing back and forth. I remember seeing that like boulder scene, and I remember seeing that as a kid. So when I went there uh, to train, I was like, oh, my God, this is so cool. This is how I remember it as a kid. And then the guy <laughs> who ended up uh, being – he still he actually still works there. He was a director, and he was the indie in that episode, and he's still there. Like he's a trainer. He does all this stuff, but he's such a nice guy. Wow. Um, and it was so cool to like do that scene the boulder scene with him like i was just like this is kind of cool <laughs> wow, yeah that's really cool stuff now uh we we're talking with mike rome uh again obviously from the wwe really blown away that he's here but uh, i was looking at your imdb page because you do have one for being in the wwe but i noticed one thing you worked for nickelodeon as a game show host i guess I following disney show. yeah was this yeah. following disney or be or when you were working at universal so I, I'm trying to think of the timeline. Like I did the outdoor food stuff. I left back in, I think it was like 2004. Uh, I started working for Nickelodeon and doing game shows and then like traveling around and doing all that stuff. Um, and that's kind of, it's fun. It's kind of, you know, I ended up going on a cruise ship and doing Nickelodeon stuff out there, traveling all over the world with them. Um, kind of like I do now for WWE. And uh, mm -hmm. it, was, it was fun. It was a cool experience, you know, working for the SpongeBob, but uh <laughs> It kind of led me to Universal. I, that, that's what kind of ended up getting me into Universal. Once I stopped with Nickelodeon, I was like, oh, I guess I need another job. <laughs> <laughs> they kind of go hand in hand, you know? 
Yeah, I was like, hey, what's this Universal thing about? And I'd actually done Grinchmas back in the same year, I want to say, that I started. In, I think it was 2004. Um, I, uh, I'd done Grinchmas over at Universal, like a random one-off. And I was like, oh, it's not bad. So then I ended up working full-time for him uh, years later. Back, I think it was 2010, I think, mm-hmm. I went full-time over there. Uh-huh. So and, it was many well, years later. Okay, so getting into the meat and potatoes of what we're about, you end up at Universal, you're a full-time employee. How did you get to be in Beetlejuice's Graveyard Review? Oh, man. Uh, well, I started as a Shaggy Scooby-Doo. Oh, yes, yes, wow. I've seen that. Um, solving Mysteries. And that was kind of like my first, you know, I, I got lucky. I came in at a period of time when they were in transitions and contracts and uh, I had a lot of availability. So I worked all the time. So I was able to get a full-time contract and, you know, it, it, it always, it's hit or miss and depending on how deep a character is there, like how many people they have doing it. Um, but I, you know, the universal family was awesome. And I started doing Grinchmas that year too. So it was like my second year as a Grinch. Um, and, uh, I ended up doing Grinchmas for years and years and years, but like the, the seasonal events, one will lead to another, to another, whatever. But I remember, um, Beetlejuice was like, when I first started there, I, I said there was, you know, three, I said three, two, yeah, three things I wanted to do. I wanted to do Bill and Ted. Mm-hmm. I wanted to do Beetlejuice and I wanted to play Jack. Oh, Those were the nice. three things I wanted to do while I was there. Wow. And okay. so I auditioned so many times as Beetlejuice. And I never got cast, like never. And uh, I was either too tall or I, you know, I, I messed up in the audition. I just, I didn't have it at that time. I was still, you know, trying to figure it all out. And so when they did the revamp of the show, um, I think it was like my fifth year of Grinchmas. I think they revamped Beetlejuice. <clears throat> and I, I knew most of the people over there. And uh, I was like, I'm going to audition. I'm going to do this. And uh, it was Greg Fawcett, a uh, guy named Jason Urbanski, and myself all went in there, and uh, we auditioned, and then we got uh, put on to, you know, basically start the new version of the show and, and go from there. And it was it was freaking awesome. Like I remember putting that stuff on and just be like, "Whoa, this is great." <laughs> <laughs> I like it. He pulled it out. <laughs> now I'm I'm curious, uh, Mike, be, being Beetlejuice, obviously the makeup, the costume. This is going to be one of those questions. What was the worst part about it? Because obviously Beetlejuice iconic role. You got to love playing that role. We all love that movie. It's fun to be, pretend to be him. But there had to be something that it was like, oh, I have to sit in the makeup chair for like four hours today to look like him. Like, was there something like that at all? I don't. I mean, the makeup didn't really bother. I mean, it was such a cool character. I think the hardest part of playing Beetlejuice is like you have so many layers and so much makeup and mm-hmm. all that stuff on. And Florida is just hot. It's stupid hot. And you're outside and, you know, it's 100 degrees and you're running around a stage and jumping around and doing, you know, doing the most. And it's just like you leave and you're just like, and I'm actually dead. I, <laughs> I'm dead. It was a hard show, man. I'm not going to lie. But the cast was great. And, you know, we, we had some good times. And it was just, you know, it's hard to, to maintain anything like that when it's uh, it's so hot outside. Yeah, and so many yeah, shows each day because so, what you guys used to do five shows a day, six shows. Yeah, it depended on the time of year, I think. Okay. Yeah. Um, what are some like like memories that you can actually tell us? I like any kind of fun improv that you did, or anything about being that character that kind of stood out for you. Oh man, I it's so hard. Like. Oh, man, it feels kind of like a blur right now. But I remember, um, I think it was, it, it's always hard with those shows because, you know, you have to stay in guidelines. And it's, it's it, I think every day was a struggle for all of us, like growing up with the, the film, because Beetlejuice mm-hmm. is such an outlandish character and he pushed so many boundaries. But then you have a family show where you can't really do that. Right. So it was yeah. always fun to do that, like, opening segment when you would come out and you'd, like, talk to people and you're like, hey, what's up? You know, what are you doing? You would do your thing, uh, and you would improv based on you know situations, and then you would realize you're starting to take it too far, and you'd have to like rail it back quickly. It's always yeah. that like, split second. Like you had to like it was so it was so much fun to learn how to drop bombs but get out of there really fast. 
Gotcha. Like, you worked so fast that, like, nobody knew what you said. <laughs> I don't. Yep. We're done with this. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, other than the I mean, show, that, did that, you... The, the thing that made Beetlejuice was the ability to, to drop bombs and to get out fast enough, because you can't linger when you do it. Like, the, you know, the key to, like, keeping that going, like, doing whatever it was, like, to say it and then to move on to the next thing. So the audience, the people that got it, got it, and they would laugh, but everybody else would be like, wait, what happened? And by that time, you're already moved on to something else. Right. Oh, man, that's so funny. Um, did you now... They also have Beetlejuice walking in the street, and you said you did Shaggy. Did you have to do Beetlejuice on the street as well? Yeah, so they basically, uh, when the show stopped running, so I did Frankenstein and Beetlejuice in the show, and then when it stopped, they didn't keep any of the monsters. So the monsters were done, but they moved Beetlejuice over to uh, a walk-around. So I ended up doing that for a while um, before I left, actually, for WWE, um, because that was you know, uh, kind of where my contract sat. Um, and I was just like, yeah, let's do it. And that was, that was rough. Not over at um, uh, the venue, we at least had a shaded area. Like the whole venue was covered. Uh, mm-hmm. Back when that show first opened, there was no roof there. So they were doing it out, you know, straight out in the sun. So we were at least lucky in that aspect. But as soon as Beetlejuice moved outside, it was hot, man. Gotcha, bro. <laughs> now, now, you did mention there were three things you wanted to do when you got there. You obviously got to do Beetlejuice. The other one, Halloween Horror Nights. You got to play yes. Jack. What was that experience like? Oh man, that was uh, super unreal. <laughs> like I <laughs> Grinch, Grinch for years, and at that time I, you know, done Beetlejuice for a little bit. But Jack is such a, I don't know, man, such an iconic character. I remember the first uh, first time I ever saw Jack at Halloween Horror Nights, and I was like, dude, he's creepy. Like he's yeah. good. I like him. And I've always been a villains guy. Like I, I lean more towards villains and heroes. So, um, it's, it was really cool to kind of get in the mind of that character and have some fun. And, um, you, did you perform, um, as Jack at 25? Yes. Okay. So yeah. you were a part of the stage show that year then. Yeah, part of the Carnival of Carnage. Oh, that was such uh, a good stage show. <laughs> how how that was, was that? Because I I I got to see this one, and it just the vibe from the crowd was intense. From the beginning video being like, "This is not a kiddie show," all the way <laughs> to the violence that you showed, like it was a party. <laughs> like, what is that yeah. experience like? Instead Jack of Beetlejuice. It was like the closest thing I feel like in that in, in in that world to being a rock star. Like you're basically on that stage, and it's it's insane. Like just what you know, like you're killing people on stage, and you're doing all this stuff, and people are like, "Yeah, hell yeah, Jack!" It's like it's it's so it's so hard to like describe the feeling, and you just you kind of get lost in that. So like we were, I think I feel like we started. Uh, we started rehearsals like the beginning um, of August, like the very beginning of August. So we had, you know, we had been rehearsing for two months before we even opened the show. Um, so we were, I mean, we were neck deep in it for a while. And then, you know, and then it was just go, 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 go. <laughs> mm, gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Now, like working the hours of HHN and especially playing as that character has to be crazy, especially it mostly being at night. Like, did it mess up waking up and stuff like that? Like, were you in a daze the entire period? Yeah, dude. Like, it's the, the HHN schedule is so hard. And luckily for, I mean, for us, we had been, our rehearsals were for that show, I think were from like, you know, 10 PM, whatever part closed. Like we would always come there during the same time they'd be doing the fireworks or the water show. So it would be like, we'd come in then and then we'd leave at 5 AM in the morning. So by the time the show opened up, it was like almost like a vacation for us because we got out at two. So we were home, you know, a lot sooner. But when you're, when you're running that or you're running Bill and Ted or you're running, you know, houses and stuff, you, you get in this weird schedule where, you don't see any of your friends. You don't see anybody else because you're sleeping all the way up until almost your call time. Like we would mm. sleep probably till like three or four and then, you know, be there by six and then we're right in it. Wow. <laughs> oh my and then God. You go to bed at like four o'clock in the morning. Wow. Uh, well, we appreciate you. Yeah. Thank you. 
Thank you for doing that. <laughs> uh, yeah, people don't understand that. Like, you know, it's one of those things where, like, you know, a whole cast of people, like in shows or, or the houses or the street, they put so much time and effort into it, and their their lives flip upside down for that period of time. But it's, you know, it's all because we all love it. And, yeah. You know, if they right. weren't fans before, they're fans after, and it's just kind of one of those things where it's almost like, you know, you want to be a part of that. Like, no matter how crazy or what the madness is, you're like, you just want to be a small part of it. (laughs) Understandable, understandable. Now, did you have any say in the character at all with Jack, or was it kind of the the footnotes were there, everything was kind of there, and you just kind of followed the playbook? Our director um, kind of had it laid out, the evolution of where Jack was at that point, and uh, James Keaton, who was like, main like you know he's jack forever right um he kind of you know gave ideas of how his you know how it was in previous years so that the jack of 25 was a, a different jack he wasn't as primal he was more pensive like he was more calculated he enjoyed that he you know kind of dictated what was going to happen he loved watching chance you know do all this stuff and had minions like he just kind of stepped back and you know controlled and orchestrated like it was before, like, you know, he took over the carnival and um, he was stepping to somebody else's shoes, but now he ran everything. Like, he was in control of everything. So it was a very different Jack. So during the show, you know, we we had uh, a little say in, like, helping, you know, write some of the script or changing lines or some of that stuff. And, you know, when with the, the Wheel of Chance, um, there was... Uh, uh, lines that we did that we ad-libbed every night or we came up with, but for the most part, we kind of knew the direction that we were going in uh, as far as, like, how he was going to be on stage. Gotcha. Oh, so man. That show. show. <laughs> and Chance was like, you got to see Chance really come into her own in that show, for sure. Yeah, and I mean, like, they obviously gave her a role uh, next year being the icon of the event, so I feel like Chance was... Uh, taken to the next level starting that year. Um, you yeah. said that you, you know, you wanted to be Beetlejuice. Um, you wanted to do Jack. You bring up Bill and Ted, and I know that's a very like, <laughs> it's a, you know, it, the fans love that show. And you know what? What can you talk about it? Who did you like audition for? Um, what did you play on the show? Can you give us anything about it? Yeah, um, there was a year I was supposed to do it, and I couldn't. And I, it was the year, I'm trying to think what, oh man, I was trying, I'm trying to remember. It was like Abraham Lincoln was in it, and mm-hmm. uh, um, there was a couple, I can't really, I don't really remember what was in that show, but I was supposed to, I think it was like based maybe around a, it was the year after like the high school year, where they, uh, the teacher or the principal or like turned out to be the bad guy. I, it was a year after that I mm-hmm. was supposed to do it and I couldn't do it because I had conflicts at Disney. So I don't mm-hmm. know what I was actually supposed to do that year, which sucks. But the next year I auditioned for <clears throat> um, Star Trek, actually. I auditioned as uh, Spock. Huh. And then I, that year I played um, the Wizard of Oz and... Um, uh, what's his name from Maroon Five? The lead singer. And oh, did, Adam Levine. Um, Adam Levine, and then I did uh, uh, Captain Kirk dresses Princess Leia. <laughs> oh my and God! Then... You were you were at my first Bill and Ted show. You were the star of my <laughs> show. That's awesome. <laughs> That's fantastic. I, I knew this was going to happen. <laughs> I did a couple of randoms that year. Like I think I had like three or four. Oh, I did. Um, Robin Thick at the end. Um, <laughs> so I had like, the, the suit on and everything. And then the next year, I want to say that I did, uh, I think I did the Avatar the next year and Lego Guy and a couple other things. Oh, man, that's, so that's cool. amazing. I love the Bill and Ted show. It is definitely missed. Uh, not that they don't have great stuff now, but it's just one of those things that is just going to go down in the HHN history books as one of those things that if you didn't get to see it, then you missed it. 
Oh, yeah. I mean, Bill and Ted was, you know, it was a show that all of us, we all, everybody wanted to do Bill and Ted there. And uh, it was always a fun time doing it. But it's also one of those things where it only, like, it couldn't have gone forever. And, you know, like any event and anything, it has to evolve. And, like, last year I saw uh, AOV, and this year I saw AOV again. And they're doing the same thing. They're evolving. They're um, they're getting better and better. Their show this year was phenomenal. Um, mm-hmm. so I think that like Universal has found a decent replacement for it. It's hard to do comedy shows anymore. Our world has changed so much and mm-hmm. the way people view comedy and how sensitive audiences can be. Um, it's just hard for theme parks to do stuff like that anymore. You know, it's, it's a, it's a delicate, delicate balance a very slippery slope. So I think Universal kind of jumped before that and got ahead of it and got a nice little thing in there. Um, did you guys get to see the... Academy of Villains this year? Not um, this year. I, I did. Yes. Oh, you did see it. Yes. Oh. It's a it's a crazy show. It, I mean, like I like that it was story based this year, um, yeah. where you could follow along with the Doctor Dr. Jekyll and Hyde stuff. Um, yeah. They were definitely playing towards the rock and roll a little bit more. I feel I feel like yeah. they were trying to make the entire thing happy, especially with the Bill and Ted tribute, uh, in the middle of it. Yeah. They, I think, I think the first, in any time you have a show there, the first year it's, you know, you're trying to figure out how it fits in the venue and how it changes because people were used to Bill and Ted for so long that it's like, Hey, here's this new thing. Enjoy. Um, right. But I think this, this year they were able to kind of like understand the event more and do more. So I'm, I'm excited to see, where they go with that in the next coming years. Well, uh, it's funny because uh, you obviously still a huge fan of the event, despite not being a part of it anymore. You brought up Academy of Villains. I was curious, did you get to see the water show at all this year? Oh, that was one of my favorite things ever. Mm. Uh, <laughs> so I am, I, uh, Mike Aiello is, uh, a very, very good friend of mine for years and years and years and almost kind of like my next door neighbor. Like we live a couple streets apart, but I know like he always gets excited about stuff. And he was like, dude, you got to see the show we did. Got to see the show we did. Got to see the show we did. And I remember sitting watching it with the music and all the stuff they did and like just the clips. And I'm a huge 80s mark. Like I love 80s stuff. So I love horror and I love 80s stuff. So putting those all together, it was so good. But they, I mean, the team that put that together bust their ass on that and they did a hell of a job. Yeah. yeah, they did a they did a great job with it. That was my favorite thing um, at HHN 29 this year. And I guess we're moving into more of you being a fan um, this year. You know, I think they pulled off 80s. You're a big fan of it. I think they pulled off the 80s aspect very well. Um, what were your favorite houses going through? Because I've seen you uh, in your uh, Instagram stories where you're like about to go in, about to go out. Obviously, we can't see your reactions throughout the house but what what were like some scary houses for you what were your favorite moments of the houses oh man i'm the worst i i i think i've worked that event and been around it so long and just with my love of horror i don't really get scared like it's been i think like a couple years ago i maybe got scared once in the house um and it's just uh it takes a lot for me to do that but i also because I love the event, I know the people that put it on, and I understand what goes behind it. I look for like set designs and um, you know how they do the scares and what's in, what all the stuff that goes into making those things the way they are. Um, so for me, like this year, um, Yeti was like a big one for me. Um, I loved that house. I loved some of the the way they laid out some of the uh, scares that they had in there. I loved Graveyard Games and Classic Monsters was my jam. Yeah, right. no, Yeti, Yeti with the arm through the chest blew me away. <laughs> blew me away. Uh, I had no idea how they did it. Unlike you, I was scared and crawling on the ground, which is true. He it did was crawl. So good. There's that, and then the Yeti that happens, like because you're looking at that when you turn around, the dude comes behind the curtain. You're like, ah, <laughs> so good. Oh, it's so good. And uh, then you have the if you once you go around the corner from that, there was another one there that took a little longer to unfold. But it was the guy who was like, shh, shh, he's telling you to be quiet. And the Yeti opens the door and oh, yeah. comes out yep. doesn't even see the guy. Like, I love that one. <laughs> yeah, that was a good one. Uh, being a fan of the event as as well, um, what do you hope? Like, 
what do you think? I know you have a little bit of more of a direct line for 30, but like, what do you think? Because Mike was kind of working on it before he accepted the other job. And you can congratulate him from us because, you know, he knows us. But uh, <laughs> but what do you hope uh, HHN kind of brings in 30 or brings for the future? Like, do you have a dream kind of IP or house that you might have been like, hey, Mike, try this one one year and like eventually they do it? I don't know, man. I, I think it's just one. I think it's one of those things for me where I try not to have any expectations as far as what's going to happen. Like. I like this year Ghostbusters was like a huge nostalgic mm. one for me. Like it's not a scary house, but it was so cool just to see that stuff. I try not to like think about that stuff ahead of time because I don't want to ever get to the point where I'm like jaded by it. Cause it was, you know, the first time I got to go, you know, I used to go as a fan and then I worked it for so many years. I forgot about it. So now that I get to go again and kind of experience that stuff, it's really good. I personally want to see, um, cause it's an anniversary year and I know they go all out on anniversary years. I'm ready to see Jack come back. That's, that's for me. Yeah. Actually, we and, both have said that on this show where we would love for Jack to be a part of it. And actually a lot of the icons to come back. Yeah. I would, that, uh, that would be a really cool if they did like an anniversary where you had multiple icons, like that would be pretty awesome though. You have to look at it this way too. The people that know about Jack and the people that grew up with those icons aren't necessarily the ones going to the events anymore. Sure. You know, a lot of those people have gotten older and they don't come anymore. So you're getting new audiences. So you're reintroducing them to all these icons that they maybe don't know about. So yeah. it's a good year to do that. It's kind of like doing how they did with the uh, Universal Monsters, how they like turned the volume up to 10 and made them like a little bit more scarier. You can kind of play with their stories and stuff. Yeah, um, I love. I mean, so I love the reboots of that. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, so thank you for being with us. Before we go, uh, we do a little thing where we fire off rapid questions, so they could be quick oh, answers. Oh and yeah. Stuff like that. Th this is the hardest part of the interview, man. This is where it gets really serious. <laughs> Ooh, all right. All right. Buckle this. up. All right, so you have done HHN and Mickey's Not So Scary in the same night. Were your feet burning the next day? No. All right. I'm a so. professional. <laughs> You're on the road a lot right now, Mike. You mentioned that you love music. What is the top song on your playlist right now? Oh, man. Uh, it goes back and forth between uh, Breaking Benjamin and 311. I'm kind of like... Okay. I'm, I'm stuck in a time warp, but I also, it's not, I listen to an eighties playlist, so it's <laughs> <laughs> <of> <laughs> <That's> okay. <laughs> what was your favorite snack of HHN 29? Oh, uh, uh, it wasn't necessarily a snack, but the green, uh, drink that was like right there by Ghostbusters. Uh -huh. was my jam. Right. Okay. What is your favorite horror movie? Halloween. The uh, uh, 1978 Rob Zombie or yeah, 2018? Original. Okay. No, original. <laughs> I okay. hate that we have to say that in this day and age. I know, we... <laughs> I know. I didn't mind the Rob Zombie ones, but I'm, I like the original. Okay. Yeah. Oh, my God. Okay. Really quickly, I'm just going to say I love you. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, do you uh, like pizza fries or s'more fries this year? Um, I had the pizza fries. I didn't have the s'mores fries. So I'm going to go pizza okay. fries. There it goes. Simple. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And I had both. Uh, okay. You're putting together a survivor series team, but only icons. You are Jack. Who are your four icons to join you or, or two? We can make it a three versus Ooh, three. I, I can't choose Jack or I can't. You are Jack. Oh, I am Jack. Yeah. So chance, Eddie, caretaker, and, uh, what was oh, this is gonna hurt me because I can't remember her name. What was the little girl's name? Oh man, that's the one we don't forgot, remember. Zach. <laughs> I don't have that. I don't have that. Oh yeah, her name. Oh no, this is gonna drive me nuts you know now. What? Oh, man, <laughs> oh, I can't remember her name. Was it Wendy? I don't know. Now I feel bad that I can't remember her name because she was the one that was like super like the least known and they were using her in those little stores and stuff. I can't remember. But uh, she, Elsa. She, she's a secret little badass. What was it? Elsa. No, it was definitely not. Oh, Elsa. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> she is not allowed on my team. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. She's thrown off. She's thrown off. Good. Who would win? Who would win? Jack or the fiend? Data abroad and
picks like this? Ooh. Uh, oh, I don't know. Uh, I'm going to go with Jack. Good. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to go with Jack strictly on the fact that he doesn't care. He doesn't have that other side. He doesn't have that human side where the fiend has both, which will be his right. weakness. Gotcha. Oh, love it. So I have mad respect for the fiend. That's you. That's good. Uh, okay. I got one for you. What was your musical instrument? Ooh, guitar. You're a guitar guy. All right. Nice. Okay. And you know what? As the final question, <laughs> I'm going to give a little backstory on this. I Uh-oh. had to do some research on you because, you know, I got to find out about you. And I found out there was a YouTube page once there was. And I just got to know, was that deep fried turkey delicious? It was amazing. <laughs> it's funny because I went searching and I was like, well, how did these end up on? The- I don't even remember creating that. <laughs> oh man that's i remember that's seeing those and i was like better. where did those come? i don't i remember filming them i just don't remember how they ended up on youtube i can't even access that page that's what's great about it oh, oh my wow. god you're locked yeah, out of your own I youtube went, i went online yeah. and i searched it and saw it and i was like there's only five videos to this thing and they all seem like they're in the same day oh yeah they were all i think they were all filmed like maybe five minutes from each other like every single one like it was just a process we were uh we were bored and having a good time like let's film this it'll be fun (laughs) because if we die at least we'll have video (laughs) (laughs) yeah people will know what our adventures were that led to this death exactly they'll learn from our stupidity (laughs) oh man well mike seriously thank you so much for taking so much time out of your day a couple of drop calls that did not pop up in this episode but you know behind the scenes they happened uh thank you so much though again seriously it's very yeah, much appreciated yeah glad we made it happen glad we uh glad your persistence paid off hey i appreciate you for always emailing back i know i was you know a little doggy that didn't leave you alone but <laughs> i was going to get this interview and you're going to get one more email because when you brought up that you're beetlejuice i have to see if this picture of me and beetlejuice and if it was you Oh yeah, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta look and see. I mean, our I makeup w- evolved quite a bit. Like, even though I look at the pictures throughout the couple, three or four, whatever years it was that I did it. Uh, yeah, it changes every year, so it's always hard to say. I can always tell who it is, but it's hard for other people sometimes to decide because we just look so different sometimes. Yeah, but uh, once again, thank you for coming on the show, Mike. This was such a fantastic time. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me, guys. Anytime. Give him a follow, guys. Mike Rome, WWE, across all social media platforms. And watch him on WWE Programming, where you can see him for uh, Survivor Series for only nine ninety nine. Boom. <laughs> there. You see? Like me. I'm, I'm trying so hard. I, want, I, I don't want your job, but I want just some low-level job in WWE one day. Listen, you just got to add the, you know, if you sign up now, you get one month free thing. That's, oh. you know, which includes Survivor Series and TakeOver. Oh my God. I just got, I just got air checked by Mike Rome. Life complete. <laughs> and of course, day, you know, Monday night raw be... on the USA network. So usually it's free with cable. So, Oh my goodness. Well, you know, you can't forget about Friday nights as well. Checking out SmackDown on the new home for SmackDown Fox. Really yeah, no, it's not your thing, but <laughs> he's a raw guy. I, I know he's a raw guy, but I thought it was still cross brand, right? Isn't it still kind of a little cross brand? Yeah, you know, yeah. It's just our competition. Yeah. It's the guys who no. Monday night and jump up. It's fine. No big deal. <laughs> Dudes, this Listen, Sunday Survivor is brand stuff, supremacy. Okay? It's, you're either red, you're blue, or you're yellow. Mm, that's true. That's true. Well, I'll be pulling for red this Sunday. Don't worry. Don't just say that because you're on the phone with me. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. I'm a Seth freaking Rollins guy. So, you know. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, but Mike, All right, Mike. Seriously. Have a, one, have a great one. Thank you so much uh, you again. Thank you, guys. Yeah, Bye. of course. <laughs> Bye. Hey there, podcast fans. I am Cassie, and I'm the host of Disflix and Tidbits, my solo movie podcast about Disney Company movies from the past, present, and coming soon. And all the little extras, movie news, and experiments on nostalgia in between. Come for the childhood memories, stay for the deep dives into your favorite movies. New episodes every other Wednesday. Tune in to Disflix and Tidbits. Subscribe for free wherever podcasts are found.
All right, guys, welcome back. Uh, wrapping up the show here, and uh, I mean, do we just want to kiss, uh, Mike? I, like, I, I pretty much almost did through the phone. I told a grown <laughs> man, Mike Rome, Austin Romero, that I love him. So that's out there now. I mean, it's out there forever and ever and ever, and that's okay uh, because I would have told him I loved him as well, but you beat me to the punch. Uh, uh, well, that's what I did. <laughs> uh, I do want to say though, I stole his number. From caller ID, so uh, <laughs> no. That's I'm, exactly what you want to say. No, on the show. no, I joke, I joke. Uh, I wish I did. Now I wish I did. Uh, but <laughs> no, no, no. That was really cool of him though to give us so much of his time because usually, usually I don't like trying to hold anybody for longer than twenty minutes. But he was so giving and so generous and so cool, and it was awesome to learn his backstory, uh, just kind of how he got involved in working between Disney and then doing the Nickelodeon thing and then doing the universal thing and the HHN thing. Like that was really cool. Yeah. I, I, you know, I always knew he was going to have a fun story to listen to. And I love a hundred percent. The fact that he's such a fan of both products still that he, he's constantly going to Disney world, uh, universal. He's going to Disneyland and such like, so cool. He's living his best life in my mind. <laughs> I, I agree. I agree. I do want to apologize, though, if there was that one little moment in the middle that seemed a little weird. Uh, yeah, there was a drop call in the middle of it because I've said it before and I'll say it again. I'm working on technology that's very Stone Age for being, you know, somebody that shouldn't be working with technology that's Stone Age in the business I do. Uh, I so, wish you would have just left a beat on there so I could have said Man, I love being a turtle. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we could not. Nah, it's past. Nah, it, the nah, time's nah, passed. Nah, nah. The time has passed. passed. I can't give the same energy as before. Nope, but you can't. Yeah, no, this was a great time. It was. Thank you to Mike uh, coming on. Uh, I hope maybe we'll see him in the fog in the future. I and uh, don't worry, I'm going to give him another email to see if that's the Beetlejuice I took a picture with. And I... Kind of hope it is, because then it means I wussed out on taking a picture with Mike Rome once. Yep. Well, no, this was uh, the year before. Oh, before me. Oh, because yep. I know I've snapped your picture with Beetlejuice a couple of times. And there, yeah. And I didn't, I wasn't scared that year. That was the year where we caught him right before the monster show was closing the door. So it was right. like, we only have time for one picture. Well, Zach, you're wearing a shirt. Go take it. Snap, 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 right. snap, snap. Bye, Beetlejuice. <laughs> Please be here when we get out of the monster show. And he was not. And he was not because he wanted out of his monster makeup. <laughs> That's right, baby. Yeah, he but, did. Uh, yeah, yeah, good no, times. That was fun. Good times. Thank you guys so much again. Remember, follow us on Twitter at Haunters POD, Facebook Haunters Podcast. Uh, don't forget as well to follow our guest. Keep up with him uh, again. Get the WWE Network. You get one month free right now. That includes Survivor Series and the upcoming uh, pay-per-view for December, Hell in a Cell. I believe that's the December one, right? Yeah. Uh, He said it. I forgot it. But at Mike Rome WWE across all social media platforms. He's a great follow. So many. Listen, hey, you mentioned how he's a fan. If you go to his Instagram page, you can see him sitting in the Rob Zombie chair from this year. You can see a lot of these pictures. Yeah, no, he has total content there. And I was thinking to myself when he was telling you how to do the job, I was like, man, one day, wonderful, you'll be an ice cream guy for WWE. (laughs) One day I'll be an ice cream guy, I'll quit, and then when I don't get a hosting job, I'll be like, I was a kid. They'll be like, you were 33. I'll be like, I I was a kid. I didn't know any better. Uh, that, that excuse won't work for me. It works for Mike. Nope. It won't work for me. It got one person out of Disney uh, Mouse House jail. Uh, That's right, baby. Not you. Not uh, me. Make sure you go to Patreon slash uh, Hunter's Podcast because we did start a Patreon. We yes. have so many great shows coming uh, that are actually out. Uh, one of them is Slay Girl Slay, which is a Buffy the Vampire Slayer rewatch with thoughts from a guy who's seen it and a lady who has not. Um, and then, hey, wonderful. You have a show that's hey, starting this week. I do. It's going to be all about Tales from the Crypt, baby. And we're going to talk about the first two episodes of the debut of that show in that first uh, 
show coming up behind the Patreon paywall. So again, if you are a Tales from the Crypt fan, trust me, you're going to want to listen to this show. I am a freaking nerd. I love Tales from the Crypt. I get down with the Crypt Keeper, so uh, we'll get down as well on that show. And uh, I look forward to discussing those first two episodes because uh, William Sadler is in the first episode. Demon Knights William Sadler? Yes, is in the debut episode of Tales from the Crypt. Uh, and it makes sense why he eventually ended up in Demon Knights and a bunch of other stuff so involving them. So, uh, yeah, it'll be it'll be a good time, but I look forward to... I can't wait to throw the DVDs in. Oh! <laughs> That's how I'm doing... Oh, that's how I'm doing Buffy. If you listen um, to the first episode, I have a very specific reason of why I'm doing the DVDs. So make sure you ooh. follow our Patreon, do the $2 tier at least, ooh. and you will get both these shows yes. on that to find out why I'm watching the DVDs. And I will give you a spoiler now. It's simply because Tales from the Crypt is only on DVD. Uh, but. <laughs> But thank you guys again. Uh, go check out the Patreon. Check out the shows that are behind the uh, Patreon right now and uh, more content, of the, obviously, to come through the Patreon. And we'll continue announcing more stuff as well because, again, more stuff is announced coming up in the future. The it future. Will, it will be a beautiful day for you if you sign up to our Patreon today. I'm just busting out into musical because I've watched so much Disney+. Plus. Stay scary, my friends. Thank you for listening to another episode of Haunter's Podcast. Don't forget to tell a friend, and you can subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, and other streaming services just by searching Haunters Podcast. You can tweet us at Haunters POD, or you can find us on Facebook by searching Haunters Podcast. Until next time, don't open that door or check under your bed. Make sure your doors are locked and the lights are on. You never know when the next scare will come for you. <laughs>